Welcome to the Talking Solutions with the Chesh podcast. I'm your host, William Cheshire. Join me in learning about optimistic solutions to some of society's problems as we interview entrepreneurs, small business owners, and employees, among others, working to provide solutions and bring positivity into the world. Welcome into another edition of the Talking Solutions, a podcast. And in this episode, we are talking with the founder who has put an emphasis on helping impact-driven companies, Ms. Carly Soroki of Karma Design. Carly, thanks so much for coming on and joining us. Thanks, Will. Yeah, Carly, if, just to get things started, I think it would be best to hear it from the source itself. Tell us a little bit about what Karma Design does, the solution it provides, and, and how you helped kind of impact-driven companies and Profits, B Corps, Profit, uh, and all that good stuff and, and how it works. Yeah, thank you. So we are a brand incubator in Basecamp, and we support visionary companies committed to doing good. And that means that we build, guide, and launch brands that place people and planet over profit. And so we believe that good goes around. That's our tagline, karma, reincarnation. <laughs> and so then <laughs> Love it, there we go. The tangible, what we provide as a creative studio is brand strategy, market research, visual design, packaging, environmental design, content strategy, web design, almost everything. I love it. It's awesome. And, and you're the first guest that I've had on that I guess kind of more indirectly has a solution uh, to helping you know with impact-driven companies to where you kind of provide those services that all companies can benefit from, but you've kind of niched down your services and really focused on, like you said, businesses that are you know, focused on, on placing planet humanity over profit and things of that nature as well. So I'm curious to hear a little bit about how that happened, how that got started. Was it something that you always wanted to do or was it something that just kind of evolved uh, as things went on in your kind of entrepreneurship journey? Sure. Well, maybe like being behind a mic was what you were always meant to do, whether you knew it or not. <laughs> <laughs> um, I never planned to do this. It just kind of happened, which I think happens for a lot of entrepreneurs who are always passionate. I was going to say passionate entrepreneurs, but you really can't have one without the other. And I got to give credit to my dad for showing me the way because he ran his own business when I was a kid. And so I osmosed a lot of what I learned about business from him. But really, it just happened because I've always wanted to help people. I've just had a strong drive to serve ever since I was a kid. And so people being the way that I like to serve, branding, psychology, all of that business, it just conspired to create karma so that I found that, you know, me, I can do a little tiny bit of good as an individual. But if I build a company and scale it and help other people build their companies and scale them, now the ripple effect has a much greater good to influence. Absolutely. And I know you got big plans for karma in the future as well. But tell us a little bit also just about when it started, how long you've been working with these companies that are kind of putting planet over profit and things of that nature as well, just to give a little bit more context and and how well your company has been going. So this is my 11th year in the industry. And I started out after college, working up to my then dream job, which was actually working in-house at Starbucks headquarters. And so that's where I learned a lot of what I know about branding. Maybe you've heard of them. <laughs> and it didn't take long enough for me to become a bit disenchanted with the cubicle city life. And so I quite literally bought an RV and drove off into the sunset and became a digital nomad before there was a word for it. 
and then started freelancing, building up my business, working as a sole proprietor. And then it was around 2017 when we rebranded, renamed, became an LLC, became Karma. And I began growing my team of contractors and designers. And here we are. So Karma is officially more like four years, but I've been at it for a while. Awesome. That's so cool. And you mentioned a lot about the climate over profit and things that are planted over profit, I think. Uh, exactly the piece there, you know, you got to have some uh, symmetry there. But with that as well, then, so tell us a little bit about a lot of the companies that you work with and what their missions kind of are uh, going forward with their plans for business and whatnot. And tell us a little bit about those companies. So I am a diehard when it comes to deciding who we work with. And I truly can't sleep at night if it's not something that I believe in. And so our litmus test for whether a company passes the test, so to speak, is to show us that the reason they're in business is to help people and planet. I want to make it clear that profit is an integral component to that. You can think of it like a triangle where you have people, planet, and profit on the bottom. Profit is the bottom line because every business needs to have a profit to survive. And if you don't, you're not going to do any good, no matter how hard you try. So profit is critical. And we want to know, why are you doing this? You know, company X who's contacted us. What do you hope to do directly or indirectly to impact society, to impact the environment in a positive way? And so that's why we're drawn to businesses for good specifically. What types of things have you found in common with a lot of these companies going forward? I mean, imagine, of course, each and every company is different with different solutions. But to me, there's probably maybe some underlying things that you encounter each and every time. And maybe you look for in that kind of, I don't know if vetting is the right word, but that process of seeing if they're a good fit to work with you and your company? Sure. Well, this may sound kind of funny and it's something that you should not do, (laughs) but it is common in uh, business for good entrepreneurs is paying yourself last. And this is a really tough one because when you start a company, any company, you have that early stage growth period where it's difficult to get your capital flowing and whatnot, unless you have a bunch of funding that you're lucky to start out with. And what I have seen in common with a lot of other mission-driven companies is that Money is not the most important thing to them. It should and it shouldn't be. This is what I'm learning. So I'm just telling everyone out there, I wish I knew this when I started my business, that don't feel guilty about needing to build a salary into your overhead and things like that. I never went to business school, so I never learned this. Like I said, I just kind of dropped out of the sky into a leadership role like this. But I do see businesses for good, leaders of these companies, valuing the product of what they're doing more so than their personal gain. And yet I hope that there's a way that that both can happen together because that's actually how it is most successful as we've seen personally in the last decade, emphasis on mental health and self-care when you do take care of yourself as an entrepreneur, your business thrives as well. Yeah, that's really interesting. Uh, definitely contrary to, I think, a lot of people that uh, are in business in terms of, you know, pay yourself last and things of that nature as well. But I definitely think that there's something to be said for that, too, when you're talking about focusing more on your solution and your products. I mean, I think the founders of, you know, Patagonia is, is a really common case to use. I mean, I think they would make the argument that if you are passionate about doing those things, first and foremost, about taking care of the climate, taking care of the environment, uh, profit, humanity over profit. And I would say they're quite successful. Definitely. 
So I think that there's definitely some mod, uh, some type of truth and in, in kind of modeling to that as well on that type of front going forward with the types of businesses that you work with and things of that nature going forward. So kind of on that front and related to that same task, take us through a little bit of the steps of what some of these businesses' biggest challenges are and how you kind of come in and allow these companies to not only be you know better branded and things of that nature, but grow and actually get their idea and their solution to start creating impact. Yeah, great question. Well, the fun part about our job is that we are not here to go in and tell you, you're doing this wrong and you're doing this wrong. <laughs> We're not the brand police, so to speak, um, but we are the experts. And so I'll use a current client as an example. We're currently supporting Element Structural Engineers in the Bay Area, and they are a firm that specializes in affordable housing, among other things. Amazing first-generation Vietnamese woman-founded company. And they sought us out for a rebrand. And we went in and looked at their strategy and their visual identity. And we came back and said, you don't need a rebrand, actually. You need to reposition their brand. And they said, well, what does that mean? And so it opened a conversation for us to educate them about what that means and then lead them through our process of market research and focus groups and interviews and data analysis to figure out what they were doing well and what could be better under the umbrella of what are your business goals in the first place? What are you trying to do with your company, right? And then you get into who are you trying to reach? And this is nothing new to people who've worked in marketing or hired marketers, but do you know who your audiences are? Do you know where to find them? And from there, then you have kind of a set of guidelines to go and look and see, are you on the right platforms? Are you saying the right thing at the same time? Let's measure this, et cetera. I love it. I love it. I think it's really great. And you know what? It, it was one of those things too, as, as someone that has kind of come across and stumbled across your company and then started doing some more research into it as well. It's, you know, a lot of times these companies kind of come in and they have the great solution. They have the idea, right? And they know what to do, but maybe they're not the best at the marketing. Maybe they're not the best at the branding. And so they kind of need help and they could go anywhere for that help, right? I mean, there are Oh, thousands, tens of thousands of digital marketing agencies or branding agencies or web development agencies out there. But what I really found intriguing about your company is that you focused in on helping these. And then I love, after I kind of saw yours, I did a little bit more of a deep dive and it inspired me to do something with my own company as well. And then you kind of see that there are more of these companies out there that are kind of helping and implementing these types of solutions, which I love is it's just like an indirect ecosystem and I think it's continuing to grow. So I would be curious in your experience, or maybe you have kind of more numbers on this as well. Have you, since you've been into it for, for several years now with your company, but kind of in the space and interested in it for a while, have you seen just kind of a, a steady growth recently in the amount of companies that are more focused on, you know, putting Planet for Profit? Uh, you know, I see the Climate Pledge 1% all over the place. Like, Have you seen kind of a growth? Do you think that more and more companies are getting more and more intrigued and interested by this? Absolutely. It was a matter of time and now it is definitely happening and it's measurable. So for example, when I first started dabbling in this world, I wasn't aware maybe, or it didn't exist in quite so much momentum of the business for good world. And little did I know that I believe it was 2006 is when the establishment of B Lab happened, which is the certifying body for B Corps, which are benefit corporations. It's a designation that a for-profit business can apply for. You take an assessment and it measures your company in terms of your manufacturing process, your ethics, who you hire, who you bank with, everything to determine whether it's oriented around people and planet. 
And if you can prove that your business is committed to social and environmental responsibility, you can get the B that's on your website or on your product. And you've probably seen that next to 1% for the Planet, which is another organization that started around the same time, founded by Von Chouinard from Patagonia and others. And both of those, those are kind of the top two that I think of helped pave the way for business for good, conscious capitalism, investing for impact, all of those keywords that are now way more common than they were even 11 years ago when I got into this business. And so it's so fun, just like digital nomad wasn't a word when I started doing it, that conscious capitalism wasn't a buzzword when I started doing it. And now everyone's on the wagon. (laughs) Yeah, I I can relate to the digital nomad. I came in when the digital nomad word was already established, maybe a little bit before it got super, super trendy. Yeah. But now it's, you know, I'm a digital nomad. But now digital nomad has gotten so big that even that people are starting to, I don't like to be called a digital nomad. Yeah, you know sure. I mean? Like that's how popular it's gotten. You know, it's kind of even gotten to that level as well. Uh, I love what you said, though, about the conscious capitalism part of it as well. A lot of the discourse and conversations that we have seem to be either more or less just kind of black or white. It's like capitalism is terrible. It doesn't work. It's awful. Socialism is, you know, maybe what we should do or democratic socialism or whatever it might be. And to me, maybe you have a different opinion on this, but to me, there, there never seems to be that conversation within the middle in that kind of gray area, depending on you talk to. And I think that, you know, your company, your business, the B Corps, the Climate Pledge for 1% is a perfect representation of how capitalism could be done in a very constructive you know, great way while also still creating that innovation that, you know, people that are huge fans of capitalism will tell you is the number one thing and the only thing that's the best thing about the world that makes it go, right? It's the private sector. So I- I'm curious to see what kind of you think on that front. I mean, I-, I just personally think when you have companies like yourself and and the ones that you work with and the-, the entrepreneurs that I talk to as well, I mean, I think that's a perfect representation of what capital can and should be. Absolutely. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And I guess I just don't see a reason why we can't have capitalism without the exclusivity of only a few benefiting from it. So that's my one beef with it, really. And I'm also of the camp of wanting to be somewhere in the middle. And because my dad is from Europe and I have spent a lot of time over there, I've experienced what socialism looks like and feels like. And I really like it. (laughs) Spoiler. (laughs) (laughs) But I really like things about capitalism too. And that's why I've literally thought about spending six months here and six months there. And, you know, sometimes I say, should I just leave or should I stay and fight the problem from within? And it's why not both? Right. And so capitalism is not going to change in the States anytime soon, I don't think. So why don't we use that to our advantage and find a way to spread the resources so that a rising tide lifts all boats? Exactly. And again, I think it just goes in maybe the framework. We don't need to talk too much about this. That's not the whole point of the podcast, right? We could talk for hours <laughs> between the, the two. But I do think there there needs to be a mix because I do think that you can extrapolate and take both sides, the best elements of both, and kind of create some type of system. It's never going to be perfect. Absolutely not. It's never going to be perfect. We're humans. We're flawed by nature. But we can make it in a, in a place that's as best as possible. So I love that kind of experience that you had for six months and six months in Europe and then six months here. So you have firsthand knowledge of kind of how that works. So I think that's pretty, pretty cool on that front. Uh, where do you spend your time in Europe? I'm curious as a nomad myself. So that was actually the dream, six months, six months. I have done two months at a time in Europe, but I've been oh, okay. to Europe eight or nine times in 22 countries or something like that. <laughs> but my father's from the Czech Republic. So I'm a dual citizen with the EU. And then I've been to a bunch of countries in, in Europe, but 
probably my biggest stint for two months was Paris and Czech Republic and walking the Camino de Santiago for my 30th birthday. So Spain and Portugal. Oof, that's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, you're living that, that dream life that I'm aspiring for. Um, but kind of on that front, going back to the the conversation I handle, kind of what we're talking about in terms of kind of what you all do and, and your company and kind of how you help people and seeing that impact. I want to kind of go back to talking about kind of the growth of what you've seen. And then, you know, you talked about the buzzwords of conscious capitalism and digital nomad space and things of that nature. When you are, for example, you come across these companies, I mean, obviously, I'm sure maybe you have the marketing word of mouth referrals, whatever that kind of might be on that front as well. But what is kind of the the response that you get from these companies when they see that there are agencies and brand incubators and all these things that are actually targeting them as well. I mean, I imagine that that's probably a nice kind of, oh, yeah, this is great. We want to work with them. And then it's kind of like a unified attack on enhancing that solution, if that kind of makes sense. Basically, whenever we meet with somebody, and, and correct me if I'm understanding your question wrong, but you're kind of trying to gauge how we decide whether it's a good fit. I'm going to make an analogy to the grocery store. Okay. So I'm one of those hippie snobs that only eats meat if it's humanely raised. Right. And that was another word that we didn't really understand until recently. And so for me, the buzzword is pasture raised, unless it says that on there, then I won't buy it because free range and organic and all those others natural, they don't really mean anything. (laughs) And so when you go and you can ask the farmer directly, is your meat pasture raised? What their response is going to be is really clear one way or the other. They're either going to say, duh, like I wouldn't be here if it weren't, you know, they're going to know exactly what you're talking about, or they're going to fudge it with some gray area lingo that kind of makes it sound like maybe they're responsible. Same thing for businesses for good. If you're a business for good, you know it. And somebody asks you and you say, yes, this is why we're in business. Yes, we are a conscious capitalist company. If they don't, they'll say, oh, sure, we recycle. That's not what we're talking about, (laughs) right? We're talking about the core of why you're doing what you do. Exactly. Like the mission statement. Is that involved in the mission statement, your one-liner, your value prop and all that? And if it's not, you're just kind of maybe BSing, you know, like, oh, yeah, we recycle through that lack of a better term, right? So interesting on that front as well. Carly, I want to ask you as well, because it's a conversation that we had prior and that we've spoken before. And I know that you have some kind of big dreams and some things that with karma that you kind of want to do in the future that not only will continue to enhance and help these companies, but actually take it to a whole nother level as well. If you want to speak a little bit on kind of the the hopes, the dreams, the aspirations, if you will, with the karma design. Yeah, thank you, Will. So as I mentioned, when I started, it was just me, right? And then when I grew my team, Now we're here in terms of karma. A vision, so to speak, came to me where it could be here and beyond. And that vision is not unique. (laughs) It's not special, but it could add something important to the world. And that is evolving karma into an incubator that would not only offer a creative to our clients, but also coaching and capital. So we've got another triangle. You ready? (laughs) Coaching, capital, and creative. And with that structural integrity, we feel that we would be able to help some of these entrepreneurs with ideas you were talking about, you know, everyone has a good idea, actually be successful if they're meant to move forward with that idea. And so we would quite literally have our own investment fund with which we would assist them and then give them the creative and then teach them the business savvy so that these investees would then go on to launch their own companies in exchange for, of course, there's catch percentage of profits, equity in their company. 
that would come back into our investment fund. And then we would use that to launch more companies. And so this is how reincarnation karma actually happens. You have businesses for good, and these would all only be businesses for, for good. We would only fund and invest in entrepreneurs who are launching a business for good, for-profit business for good. And then you have that cyclical effect where we're creating more and more good. So that's that's the long-term vision. We have some more details in terms of where our funding would come from and how we can get individuals to participate as well. But shout out to anyone listening that if you have already built something like this, or if you know someone I should talk to, I would love to hear from you because I've, I've taken my pitch deck from Seattle to San Francisco. I know how it feels to put your idea in front of people and it's vulnerable and it's scary. And it's kind of one of those moments where I just ask the universe, Hey, if I'm meant to do this, send me a sign, you know, <laughs> send me the next person. But that is a goal that I would love to see happen with karma. Awesome. And is that something that's just kind of, you know, you're, you mentioned you've already put it in front of some people as well. So is that something you're kind of trying to get going sooner rather than later? Or is it still kind of, I mean, obviously it's in the early stages, but you know, is that a couple years down the road? Is that a year down the road? Is that a decade down the road? How do you see that? Yeah, let's be conservative and say a decade. I like that. <laughs> but really, <laughs> it gives you a lot of time in the R&D phase, really, because I do want to know what else is already out there. I just had someone yesterday tell me about WeFunder, which is a great site and is similar to something we're hoping to do. So and Venture Studios was another that I hadn't heard of the concept of a venture studio. That's not just one company. So like I said, there's lots of things already happening, which is just another testament will to the fact that there are lots of us out there already working on this, which is great. I don't have to have an original idea, but I can contribute something. But I do think that our model is unique because we would be offering the creative side, which not all venture firms are. We're coaching the individual. And like I said, we have a vision to have the investment process involve individuals like you and me, similar to WeFunder that would help individuals benefit from this exchange as well, not just venture capitalists. Exactly. And can you explain what WeFunder is just in case people listening aren't quite sure or aware of that model? Yeah. And I just found out about this myself, but it's essentially a website where you can search for a startup that you want to support and then contribute $100, $500, $1,000 to their cause. So you become your own investor or venture capitalist, if you will. But I do want to demarcate there the important separation between a venture capitalist and individuals, because the statistic that really fired me up about all this, Will, is that a few years ago, the, st the number was th less than 3% of venture capital funding going to female-founded companies. Since the pandemic, it's even less, and it has always been even less for minority-founded companies. So that just illustrates right there that it's not proportionate to the percentage of women, percentage of minorities we have in the states in terms of who's getting funded. So that's that's what shows me that there's something not quite right about our capitalist model. Because like I said, I don't necessarily have something wrong with capitalism. It's just when it is only exclusively offered to this one privileged group. Right. It's the execution of the capitalism. I, you know, it's how it's being used. I mean, obviously the term capitalism in and of itself means nothing, right? I mean, it's just, you know, it's how it's utilized. It's how it's used. And, and that's an interesting fact that you mentioned now. I, I think I know too, that it's like you said, it's less for that, the minority. And I, I don't know enough about that topic to, to really know how or why that's the case. Um, but I'd be curious to see how it is. But one thing that really intrigues me, like you said, about what you're trying to accomplish 
is the fact that you're offering the creatives. And then also, if I understand this correctly, you might have to correct me here, but you would be offering the creatives, you'd be offering the consulting, the advising, and then you would be making your money based off of a percentage of the equity that you would negotiate with that company. Is that correct? Our success would depend on their success, which is why our vetting process would be extremely careful to make sure that these aren't just, you know, your run-of-the-mill entrepreneur. No offense. I'm one of them. I've made tons of mistakes and failures along the way. <laughs> Who has passion and an idea? Those are two criteria out of hundreds that you have to have to be a successful business owner, as you know. And so, yes, our goal is to help them be successful, not solely so that we can see returns. Although in this case, the returns is good because it goes back into our fund, which we will simply use to launch more businesses. But we are investing for impact by doing this. We are interested in measuring the results of our work with this investee in terms of how much societal impact they are able to make directly or indirectly, how much environmental impact they are able to make. And then that's kind of where I was alluding to as well, where I think that model is unique and very cool in the sense that you're you're only going to be able to make money and make things go if you're successful in helping the companies that you work with go, which is a fantastic, I think, selling point and proposition of these companies, because it's not just like a typical venture capitalist or an angel investor, or whoever it might be, where they put in money and then they take a percentage of the company, but maybe they're not advising as much as they should. There's no creatives involved. And, you know, they're really just kind of, I mean, that's what VCs are really. They're, they're, a lot of them are just looking for unicorns. They know that they're not going to get a return on most of their companies, but they're looking for that one home run. And what I think separates you all is that, no, you're not just you're showing that you truly, truly believe in that company. And then it's being recycled all over again. Like you said, the karma, the holistic value of it as well. And uh, I think that that avenue is really unique and, and pretty cool on that front. And I'd be really curious to see the types of feedback you get when you get to that point in terms of, you know, pitching that to companies as well on that front. And, um, you know, kind of on that message as well. One thing that I think is really important to, the type of businesses that you work with that, you know, I work with and aspire to work with and that the companies that are doing this type of work as well is a mindset. You know, the one thing that I've seen is every time I talk to the, you know, entrepreneurs like yourself and these other is the passion. It's the positivity. It's the optimism like, hey, we're going to figure this out. This might work. I mean, you know, you're always going to have your pessimists. And unfortunately, I mean, pessimists are going to be right a good portion of the time, you know, but it's amazing to me to get inspired by the positivity of these entrepreneurs. So how important do you think having that belief, like you mentioned, going into these companies and then the companies themselves and what they work with, how important do you think that is to success? Yeah, it's definitely huge. And we could have another tangential conversation about the difference between belief and faith and hope, because they're all subtly different. And as a Buddhist, you know, I try not to get too attached to hope and desire because it can get tricky, right? But I like the word belief because that to me says more about the individual's work ethic. And to be honest, future investees of Karma the Incubator, <laughs> the number one thing we will likely be looking for is not passion. And it's not necessarily who you know or anything like that. It's grit. And there's a fantastic book by Angela Duckworth um, who has written on this topic and lots of numbers to back it up. But the thing that will predict and continue to determine whether an entrepreneur is successful or not is how many times are you willing to get up off the dirt and wipe off your face and keep going? I mean, that's really it, right? It's like, it's not, it's not how many times you fall, it's how you get back up. 
You know, I mean, like you said, it's all those things. They're all cliches. People cringe when they hear it and whatnot. But, you know, that's that's what it is. Right. I mean, it's it's about, you know, it's like what's Michael Jordan. Even he says, you know, I'm I'm a, I'm an, a sports guy. I like sports. You know, Jordan, obviously an athlete at the time, you know, he was like, I failed over and over again in my life. And that is why I succeed. Right. And, you know, you just keep going. You, it's how you get back up. It's how you respond on that front as well. So I was just curious to kind of see. Yeah, just what types of themes that you see from these entrepreneurs and the, and what you look for and whatnot and, and grit. That's a really good word. I got to add that book. It's on my list. I just haven't read it yet, but it's pretty good, huh? It is. Yes. It's powerful. Definitely go into it with a discerning eye though, because there are parts of it that I said, Oh, that really rubs me the wrong way. <laughs> but then you can't deny the data either because she's, she's done her homework. Yeah, exactly. I mean, data and the, the data doesn't usually lie. So there's a lot of stuff that kind of goes on there on that front. But, and then I want to, I want to go back and, and kind of retrace a little bit and talk about kind of the WeFund and, and that type of option as well, because I know that a company that I had on the podcast before, uh, you know, Ms. Jennifer Strouffer, Motivate You, you know, she's got a really cool platform. And what she's been doing is um, doing, I, I don't know if it's WeFund, but it's that type of model. And whatnot. And I think she's raised like 70,000. And so I think that that could be a really revolutionary kind of cool way to get people more involved, I think, in business as well uh, with the idea of, oh, wait, I, I can invest in companies that I believe in, you know, that share my same values and my messaging as well on that front. So just kind of curious to see what your opinions are on how that might grow in the future and whatnot. Because I, I mean, I think the number one thing that We'll limit that now is just a lack of interest and knowledge in business for people that aren't in business. I mean, I think that's you know why only half of the American, you know, well, not only why, but a reason why half the American population is only invested in stocks, for example, right? Like it's just kind of like a different, it takes a different level of education and knowledge and awareness that I don't think we do a good job at, but that's a different conversation. But curious to see where you kind of think that could grow in the future, in the coming years, if you think a lot more companies will start to kind of do things like WeFund. So glad to hear you say that education is kind of what's holding it back at this point. And you're absolutely right. And I've got to credit my colleague, Dana Redmond at SeaChange, which is an investment firm in Seattle. And she was kind enough to speak with me about my idea. And she said that women, for example, are happily apt to, for example, write a check to a charity or sit on a board or something like that. And yet they don't think about investing their wealth in businesses. It somehow feels riskier. They don't understand how that works. But if we look around, what runs this country? It's businesses, <laughs> right? And the idea of WeFunder and things like that is kind of shifting the power a little bit from, well, who is it who's going to make the decisions and support us? Is it the government? Is it companies or is it individuals? And it's some combination of all three, right? But the beauty of a crowdfunded model is that the individuals can go directly to the companies they believe in who are run by individuals and help and help generate good through business. I love that. I just love that model. I mean, obviously I'm biased, right? I'm a business guy. I'm an entrepreneur. You know, I love that type of stuff. So for me, I'm like, this is so cool. <laughs> this is so cool. Yeah. Like, I love it, you know, but I do think that um, with, you know, better education and better, more accessible resources to people here in, in the States and, and even in other countries as well, I'm not as familiar with what's going on in there. But, uh, you know, I think that there's opportunity for them to kind of get involved and to, and to support 
causes and to get an opportunity to get a return. You know, I'm very curious to see how it evolves. You know, companies can get creative. You know, I'm very curious to see. Obviously, you'll have to deal with regulations or something on some things, but it's a very interesting topic and conversation um, and just getting things awareness and education is so key, I think, to, you know, these things. There's this guy I follow. His name is the Wall Street Trapper. He's, I think, got like a million followers on Instagram. He went to prison from New Orleans. You know, he was in gangs and, you know, bad area, went to prison, met this guy who was in there for, I believe, insider trading or something like that. Don't quote me on that exactly. But it, basically, he was like, no, this is what you need to do. You need, you should be you should be hustling business. You should be learning about business and how to make you know money this way instead of you know doing drugs and weapons and all that type of stuff. He changes his complete life. He spends his rest of the time in prison reading books, uh, you know, how to think and grow rich and, you know, the intelligent investor and CNBC watching all that. And then now his whole entire message is to go back into that same community he grew up in the same language and everything and says, hey, this is what we do. And his whole message is around education. And I, hey, it's because we don't know this. They don't teach us this. But, you know, we have the power. And I, I think that message resonates strong, at least for me. But Carly, as well, I just kind of going forward and we talked about kind of the positivity of the business, the optimism and things of that nature as well. And then, you know, your hopes going forward uh, to kind of create this incubator and create this kind of cyclical cycle of uh, karma, you know, right, of good and how it all comes back around the reincarnation of some of the businesses for good. I do want to ask, since you focus on kind of the planet side of things, what is your favorite kind of social impact business uh, that you work with? Is it obviously I'm going to guess and say that's maybe environment and climate oriented? Is it, you know, diversity, equity, inclusion? Is it, um, you know, I had somebody on recently about adoption and post adoptive resources uh, that I thought was great because I feel like foster children don't get talked about enough and all that stuff. So what's your kind of favorite what, or maybe not favorite is the right word, but which one are you really passionate about? Yeah, thank you for asking. I mean, I definitely gravitate toward the environmental organizations because I love nature and I spend a ton of time in our national parks and it's the only place that can truly detox and clear my mind and just reset me in 10 minutes. But in this case, I will throw a shout out to an amazing organization in the women's health realm, which is another passion project of mine. So specifically women's reproductive health, there are lots of companies out there making apps and cycle trackers and things like that. But one that I highly recommend uh, to check out is called FEMM, F-E-M-M, founded by CEO Anna Halpine. And they are a women's health research organization and teaching and medical directory. So if you are a woman who has a cycle that's abnormal or if you're experiencing infertility issues, you can use their app to understand your cycle you can meet with a provider to get a diagnosis. You can work with a fertility awareness teacher to use the fertility awareness method as a form of birth control rather than hormonal contraceptives. Lots and lots to do there. They are a wonderful company, and I would love to see more support sent their way. So if we were the incubator, we would talk to them about being a potential investee. One day you'll have that power and help them out. You know what I'm saying? So one day just got to keep grinding. That's really cool. Yeah, it does sound like a great organization, a great company. Obviously, that's a topic and things that just because of the way history and society has been is a little bit more taboo to be open to talk about. But fortunately, that's changing and you can be much more open and kind of talk about those things now. And because uh, it is an issue and, you know, if they have a good solution. And that's that's what it's all about is kind of providing that going forward. So pretty excited on 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 that front as well. And 
Uh, you know, I came across a company that was doing something with re- more most recently as well. I was working on a proposal on for uh, UTI type stuff and awareness and things of that nature and how to work on that. And they have products and they just got uh, a deal with Target and all that. If you don't know what Target is, if you're listening in Europe or whatever, it's just like a, basically a, a big popular department store uh, here in the U.S. as well. So pretty exciting on that front. Uh, and then, Carly, where are you uh, based out of, I guess, for people to kind of know? And do you work with companies that are primarily just in the U.S. or do you work with companies kind of globally? I personally am based in Leavenworth, Washington, which is a tiny mountain town in Washington state. Our team is all over. Pacific Northwest. Yeah. And all over the states, at least. But we do have clients all over North America and are very keen to work with clients abroad. So we are definitely networking in that direction all the time. Leads me into my next question, which I find really interesting and that I think that you would have a a unique perspective on a little bit as well, having family and being from Europe too. When you look at the comparisons, um, and again, this can just be from your own anecdotal experience or if you do have data or things that you've read, social entrepreneurship, B Corps, things of that nature, where do you kind of see the comparisons? I mean, do you see it kind of equally, you know, in the US and in Europe? Is it more popular in Europe to be kind of pushing for that? Is it as or more popular in the US? Where do you kind of, is it kind of even? Where do you kind of see in terms of the social impact and what type of growth and things have you kind of seen from a European perspective as well? Because obviously they play a big role in business too. Yeah. And I'm glad you brought it back around to the European versus North America and not to discount all of the other wonderful continents and countries out there. It's not just the two. Um, but I wanted to point out also an important difference between Europe and the States is we typically are tagged with that label of being the pioneers. And that is one thing that I have a hard time letting go of in terms of capitalism over here is we feel, and especially on the West, I don't know if you've ever heard the theory of how those who moved West and procreated in the West are even more pioneering and creative than folks who live on the East. It's just anthropologically how it works. So there's some cool data for you. Um, But that's why California is one of the hotbeds of ideas and innovation and things like that. But in terms of Europe, I'm going to point you all to a great book that I read called Living Danishly by Helen Russell. And it's about her experience. She is from the UK and she moves with her husband to Denmark for an assignment And it's a one year sort of thing. And then they decide whether they want to go back. And I won't tell you what happens, (laughs) but she does an amazing survey of what it's like to live in a socialist country. We're just going to use the extreme of socialism to compare. There's always a middle. But she found that when you live in a country like Denmark, and I've even experienced this spending some time in Canada, which is similar but different, work and money and status are simply not as much of a priority. It's not what you lead with. In some countries, it's even offensive to flaunt your wealth. Can you imagine? (laughs) And that's because in those countries, those social services support the individuals so much in terms of helping pay for education, helping pay for housing, helping pay for starting businesses, giving ample maternity and paternity leave, that the result is that it's easier to make your way in life in those countries because instead of welfare programs, they have universal programs. So instead of just targeting the poor, they're giving equal resources to everyone. Does that make sense? So it's, it's a big mental shift, but it really helped me to read 
about what life is like in a country like that in a narrative form. And she's a great writer and it's a hilarious book. So I really recommend it if you want to try to put yourself in the shoes of a person who grew, grew up in a country where it's different to start and run a business. Interesting. Yeah, I'm a huge fan of perspective and trying to learn from everybody's perspectives, they, even if they have a perspective that I think is ludicrous, you know, like from the beginning. I love to just kind of read about it. I mean, like you said, try to put myself in their shoes as much as possible. It's funny you use Denmark as an example, though. I just, you know, I got a boxing gym that I got down here and I was training the other day and I was talking to this guy and he was like, oh, man, I applied for this job. They got an office in Denmark. I got to find a way to get back. He's like, yo, I got to find a way to get back. I love Denmark. It's so cool. And I was like, well, he goes, yeah, you may have to pay $9 for a coffee, but it's just such chill vibes. <laughs> like nobody, nobody like, it's like you said, nobody leads with the work type of stuff because, you know, the pay gaps are also a lot different as well. You know, I mean, they're much more narrow no matter what your job is. So if you, you know, you work at McDonald's or you, I don't know, I can't think of an example. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's all very similar. So it's funny you use Denmark as an example as it brought me back to that guy's conversation as well. Yeah. So Carly, anything else that, that you would kind of like to add or anything about, you know, karma and what you all do and, and the impact that you kind of have or how people can maybe kind of support you or monitor your journey or kind of, you know, keep tabs on, on when you're going to do maybe this WeFund stuff and, and so that people could potentially support you uh, in the future? Well, I don't know why, but the, the Buddhist in me wants to give one more shout out since you mentioned, if you're hungry for more data and information about this world and optimism and things like that, or which country should I move to? Um, a beautiful report from the World Happiness Organization was put out recently, and it was designed by my colleagues Stislow Design in Brooklyn. So, hey, guys, you did great. <laughs> Definitely spend some time there, too, because they actually talk about grit as one thing that will predict who is happiest and perspective. So you're right on, Will. Um, but go check that out. There's a lot more conversation to be had about all, everything we just talked about in that report, it's 200 some pages. So you've got your work cut out for you. But that's a great place to continue watching the conversation. Follow the B Corps, follow the one percenters. And then karma, karmadesign.is is our address. And you're welcome to find me, Carly Soroki, on LinkedIn and connect with us and even join our team if you'd like. So Awesome. There you go. You can be a part of a, an organization committed to doing good and enhancing and empowering these impact-driven companies as well if you're looking for any type of potential work or something in the future as well. Hey, Carly, I've enjoyed this conversation uh, so very, very much. Thanks for coming on. And uh, you know, I'm really looking forward to, to monitoring what you all do. You're an inspiration uh, to me and the company that you do. Like I said, I've made some changes of my own to kind of follow in that that path. So it's been really great to to have a conversation with you on the podcast. Thank you, Will, and for the work you do and you get extra karma points. <laughs> extra karma points, beautiful. Always good to get the extra karma points. Fantastic. <laughs> That's Carly Soroki from Carly Design, or I'm sorry, Carly Soroki from Karma Design uh, joining us here on the Talking Solutions podcast. Again, you can find more information about them and the work that they do at karmadesign.is. That's K-A-R-M-A-D-E-S-I-N. Uh, gn.is and as always of course we'll have those links uh in our link tree on our uh, bio and the instagram throughout the whole entire week so you can definitely go and check it out there if you want an easy quick access uh, to the website on that front as well so i hope you all enjoyed this episode as always you can tune in to all of them on your favorite podcast platforms whether it be spotify apple youtube whatever that might be and of course if you feel so compelled go ahead leave a review for the podcast always helps with the algorithm and things of that nature as well. Follow us on the 
Talking Solutions podcast Instagram channel and check out the website at chestech.com. We're doing a little bit of a merge and some changes within the podcast to, to put that and integrate it uh, within my service company as well. So there'll be a page full of uh, all the highlights and the guests that we've had in the past where you can listen. And then there'll be a little uh, write up as well on Carly and what her business does at Karma on the website. So you can get some more info, go straight to the website there. That's at chestech.com dot com as well but until next time i hope everybody enjoys the rest of their week and thank you so much for tuning in once again on the talking solutions podcast thanks for listening to the talking solutions with the chesh podcast tune in every wednesday for a new episode and you can find out more about our featured guests and their solutions on our talking solutions podcast instagram facebook and youtube channels as we focus on highlighting individuals providing solutions to social problems and bringing optimism to the world.